Welcome back, everyone, to the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap with Coach McDonald, the only place to get your Florida Keys prep sports news and history. You could find this podcast every Thursday at keysweekly.com. Please share and like this. You could hear this podcast every Saturday at 8 a.m. WKWF AM 1600 and WKWF FM 103.3 FM Saturdays at 8 a.m. on the radio. And whenever you want, you could listen to this podcast. So welcome back, everybody. Um, It's another great week and we're rolling downhill. Baseball season is gearing up for districts and there's a lot of high hopes with a lot of teams in Monroe County. Um, Track and field is going strong. They're also getting ready to move on. Boys weightlifting is getting ready to go to states. I know that Coral Shores has a number of weightlifters going and Marathon has one. Um, Let's talk about what happened last week. Last week in the Keys, Marathon Baseball lost 3-1 to to Highlands Christian. Uh, Coral Shores Softball was able to beat Marathon 8-6. to At the beginning of the year, Marathon beat Coral Shores, so they're going to split for the year. Key West Boys Lacrosse loses 14-1 to to Cypress Bay. Coral Shores Baseball loses to Chaminade Madonna 10-0. Coral Shores Boys Lacrosse uh, gets a forfeit win against Palmer. Key West Softball beats Keysgate 13-1. to Marathon Baseball beats Palmer 5-4, to a big game last week for Marathon. They were playing the number one team in their conference. Um, Dylan Zeals had another great night on the mound, and Ryan Yablon hit a three-run home run. Very exciting end to that game for Marathon. They're having a very good season this year, along with Key West High School. Um, Key West Lacrosse lost to Bishop Vero. Coral Shores Softball lost to Gulliver. Marathon Softball defeated Hialeah 20-0. Marathon Baseball uh, got a forfeit win against Everglades Prep. Key West Softball was able to defeat Slam 14-6. Key West Baseball beat Miami Palmetto 3-0. Coral Shores Baseball lost uh, 11-7 to Keysgate. Key West Baseball was able to beat Palmetto in the second game of that series, 10-3. So the big story going on right now is Key West Baseball in a very familiar spot. They are number one in the state in 4A. Everybody knows that they have a great pitching staff. They have a great overall team. I think they have four pitchers who have already signed scholarships to Division I schools. And Key West High School is getting ready for the postseason, so we'll be on the lookout. We'll be reporting on them as they hopefully, I guess they'll be going for a 12th state title. And so Key West High School already has 11 state championships. We've talked about them a little bit on this podcast before. Uh, You could hear about a couple of them if you go back two weeks. We talked to head coach of Key West High School, Ralph Enriquez, on the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap podcast with Coach McDonald. So it was a big, big time, big time program, and they are doing very well. Um, Last week, like I talked about, Key West High School played against Palmetto in one game and in Rady. Went three for three, got a single, double, and triple, only a home run away from hitting for the cycle. 
In three of the Conks' four hits, Gabe Williams earned the final hit in the 3-0 win. Lucky Barroso threw for six innings, earning the win for Key West, and Jacob Burnham gave him an inning in relief in one game. The next day, the Conks collected multiple hits from Jack Haggard, Matt Greenberg, Sam Holland, Jose Perigon, Williams, and Rady. Wyatt Coon had a base hit to make it 13 for Key West. Felix Ong earned the win for the Conks, throwing six innings against the Tigers, and Marlon Takovich closed it out to give Key West a solid 15-4 win. I'm sorry, a 15-4 record with seven games left in the regular season. Key West is holding on to the top spot in the FHSAA 4A rankings with district action beginning May 1st. Marathon lost last week to Highlands Christian early and then had the big win against Palmer. Um, Yablon hit the big home run against Palmer. It was a big night for them. Dylan Zeals and Brian Brochet teamed up in pitching with that win, with Brochet being awarded the win. The Finns record stands at 11-5. and five. Coral Shores last week in baseball suffered two losses, bringing their record to 4-11 and 11 on the season. They played at Chaminade Madonna on April 4th, losing 10-0. And on April 7th, the result would be closer, but not quite close enough for the Hurricanes in a 11-7 loss against Keysgate. Now, the podcast usually comes out on Thursdays. Today, if you pick up your Keys Weekly, which I recommend highly, first thing I do, as soon as I see it on my driveway on Thursday, I'm picking up the Keys Weekly and seeing what's going on in the Keys. The sports wrap is going to have a lot of stories, but they're also going to have the all keys girls weightlifting team. So you definitely want to check that out. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. You're going to have to look at the newspaper to see who the MVP is and who made the team. So definitely check out the print edition of the keys weekly sports wrap. And so you can get all of your keys news and information about everything going on from the upper keys all the way down to key West and you know, um, one of the things we wear many different hats in the McDonald household, you know, Tracy McDonald, she does most of the writing. She does all the writing for the sports rap. I do the podcast. You know, we both are teachers. We both are coaches and I'm actually the head football coach at Marathon High School. And another job of that is running the Marathon Football um, Facebook page. And that's Marathon High School Football, home of the Dolphins. And what we try to do is profile a different team uh you know every week or so from the past and this past week i got a lot of great feedback from the 1980 marathon football team so i thought i'd talk about them for about two minutes and give them a shout out you know marathon football started in 1970 was the first year and it's the last of the three major high schools to actually get football key west had football in the 1920s they were literally taking boats to play teams i mean they've been playing football for a very long time in key west and coral shores also has had a football team for a much longer time than marathon but with the football team started in 1970 1980 was a banner year for the marathon dolphins it was the first year rick hale was the head football coach at marathon and by the end of the season they were ranked third in the state they had an eight and two record um rick hale's club shut out big rival mary immaculate 46 nothing and coral shores 19 to zero it was a team of many firsts it was the first marathon team to win eight games in a season it was the first team to rack up 3,000 yards of offense they gave up a very very small amount of points 83 points in 10 games so 8.3 points a game 
Adair Hendricks becomes Marathon's first, definitely not last, but he was the first 1,000 yard back with 11, with, I'm sorry, 1,011 yards. Paul Hayes set the interception mark with seven. In those days, you know, I was I was reading through this and doing the research and some of the old timers, I can't believe I'm an old timer. Some of the old timers can remember in high school football, you did not move on to the playoffs unless you won your district. And unfortunately for Marathon, one of those two losses came against a district rival in the last game of the season. So like I said, in those days, if you won your district, you went to the playoffs. There wasn't any kind of wild card teams or nowadays district runner up goes and there's a lot of opportunities, but it was very, very rare and special to win your district in football and move on to the playoffs. And it didn't happen all the time. And even though that's one of the best teams marathon has ever fielded, they did not move on to the playoffs, but that's not going to take anything away from them. And if you check out the marathon football Marathon High School Football Home of the Dolphins Facebook, you will see pictures from that season too. And if you guys have any pictures, Coral Shores, Marathon, Key West, any sport, any kind of thing, you could send them to sports at keysweekly.com and and we'll put them up on somewhere. But I would love to have them. I would love to see them. I would love to pass them out to people that follow this podcast because it's one of the fun things that we do here. So Talking about things that make the keys unique, let's talk about one thing. I can't believe in when I came down here in 1997, you know, from Miami, coming from the big city, I couldn't believe that Key West High School football games were on the radio. And then I couldn't believe that Key West High School basketball or uh, baseball games. And I could remember before I was living on Big Pine, driving up in Marathon one Friday night, and I heard the football game being played on the radio. And it just blew me away. And it's one of the things that make our communities great is how everybody still buys into all the high school sports here. And one of the biggest reasons for that from the beginning has been Rick Lopez. And he's coming on the podcast today and he's going to talk about how he broke into the radio business and starting to broadcast all the conk games and a lot of his memories, including having a son win a state championship while he's calling the game and and a guy that I think a lot a lot of and I know a lot of people in the community do. I want you guys to sit back and enjoy and let's listen to Voice of the Conks, Rick Lopez. All right, today on the podcast, the tables are turned. You know, you have this guy, this icon, a voice of a generation to people in the Florida Keys, and he is coming on to my show, and I'm going to ask him questions. This is a big deal for me because, you know, to start it out, moving down here to the Florida Keys in 1997, I one of the first things I, I couldn't believe was the fact that I could hear high school football games and high school baseball games on the radio. And a big part of that is this guy. Welcome, Rick Lopez. Hey, Sean. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm really been looking forward to this podcast for a long time because before we even start, and I know I told you this in person before, but you know, this is something that, that is, I really enjoy doing and going back in time and talking to all these people that make prep sports in the Florida Keys great. 
But, uh, you know, for you were the genesis of, of this for me, because years ago, I don't know how many years ago I, I caught it was in the summertime on the radio and you had these long form interviews. I think it was a two part series with Brooks, with Brooksy Carey. And, uh-huh. I, and I was riveted by that. And I kept thinking to myself, when, when is Rick going to do more? I want, I want to hear more of these. And I really enjoyed that. And then for years I was like, this would be great. This would be great. So this is a big, you're a big reason why I started the podcast and thank you. And sort of, <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad I could get, put, put you in the right direction. <laughs> well, <laughs> ab- absolutely. You know, we have about seven listeners here, so it's been a big deal for all of them. And, and now you're going to, hopefully you'll be the eighth listener. If you listen to your own podcast, no, it, it's been a lot of fun, but I have a lot of questions for you you rick and let's let's just start i know that you graduated from key west high school in 1984 but what happened before that where were you born where where were you brought up at how did that okay well i I actually sean graduated in 1985 first mistake Uh, not the last yeah yeah right well that's okay i make mistakes all the time (laughs) but i always have fun with that on the radio too but anyway but i graduated in 1985 and i was a military kid Uh, i was born in Norfolk, Virginia, and uh, grew up in the military. Uh, right after I was right after I was born, my uh, my dad went to Vietnam, and he was there for almost two years. And so the the first two years of my life, I grew up in Pittsburgh uh, with my mom and her family. And then my dad came back, uh, and we were, I was wondering who the hell is this guy. Uh, <laughs> and then that that was uh, start of. Uh, uh, my life uh, growing up in the military, and it was one of the. I had a wonderful childhood. I really did. I was so honored and and, and enjoyed. Really, I, I enjoyed being a military kid. And we moved, and I, and I like the challenges of, of going to new and different places. And we had lived in the Panama Canal Zone for many years, and then uh, back in the United States, all over the place. And then. Very fortunately, in 1984, the summer of 84, we moved uh, here to Key West, and and it was my senior year, and I I still joke with my parents to this day. It was like, what took us so long to get here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I as a kid, as a military kid, a lot of times you're you're looking for a a home, and I had we had been in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, for four years prior to coming here, and I went to Lejeune High School there. I wish I, I, if there was one thing I could change in my childhood, I wish I could, we could have come to Key West a year sooner because once I got here, man, did this feel like home and just felt so welcomed as soon as I got here. And, um, we've never looked back. I mean, this has been the, the best place in the world for me. It's my hometown. A lot of people think that, you know, because I'm so associated with the Conks and been around forever that I was born and raised here and played ball here, but that's that's not the case. I, I, I unfortunately for me, I only had one year to play at Key West High School, and that was that was pretty awesome. And 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 then I just didn't want to leave. Well, I have a couple questions. So, what was it like for you the summer before your senior year, moving down to Key West and and coming into the community? Did you guys live on base? Yes, we, we lived on base. Uh, we went, uh, we left uh, Camp Lejeune and we got stationed here. And 
it's funny because we 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 pulled in into town in I can't the exact date, but it was in August of 1984, and we pulled in and, and checked into the Fly Navy building mm-hmm. there on Trumbo Point, mm-hmm. and that very first day because we had to wait for our house our house was over on truman annex it wasn't quite ready yet so we spent like the first couple of weeks when we got here the fly navy building but the day that we arrove we checked in got into the hotel and i immediately went to football practice the high school football team the very first day we got here hadn't even spent a night yet and I was out uh, with the football team uh, as they were starting uh, the training camp for the Conks back then. So was so that went right to it? You went right to it, Coach Pat Freeman. Right to, say right. that again. I said it was Coach Pat Freeman, right? Yep, Coach yeah. Pat Freeman uh, was our was our was my head coach, and we had we had a great staff uh, that year and guys that I would become so close with over the years. Uh, his brother Chuck Freeman, mm-hmm. uh, Chuck was Chuck was my favorite coach. I loved playing for Chuck Freeman. Bobby Menendez was uh, on that staff. Danny Jimenez, uh, Pat Labrada. It was an it was a great staff, and and. Uh, really good football guys and was very fortunate. I got to play for them for one year. So coming down to Key West, you probably had never been here before. Were you shocked at the amount of sports coverage that Key West High School received and the amount of people at the game and just the the frenzy when it came to Kong Sports? What was that like for you coming in? Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, we had we had a nice we would have nice crowds uh at Lejeune High School for football and, and for basketball, but not much for, for baseball. Uh, even back in 1984 when we got here and then you would, for our home football games, to see that amount of people and how this entire city was was coming out there was was pretty amazing for a young kid. And just the, the, actual, the actual involvement of the community in the program, like it's it means everything to this town. Key West High School, and it's it's so connected and so interwoven uh, through all the generations. And whether you had kids that went there or not, or you went there, I mean, the people still c- came out. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it, it felt like to me, Sean, it was a big time atmosphere. I remember when I came. When now this is in the early days, eighty start eighty two, eighty three. That time frame, we weren't in high school. There wasn't a whole lot of well, at least at the high school I was at prior, uh, a, a huge emphasis on the weight room, um, and and at, at Lejeune High School, our weight room was a Nautilus machine. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then when I got here and went right into our the weight room where it actually still is to this day and working out and and being in there and and doing all the weights, man, I'm like I'm like in the big time now. This is really cool. And that's how that's how I felt. I felt like I, I had I had had a rove in in a big time place. And and that's how I still feel this to this day. And absolutely. A big part of that always has been like the media coverage, because if you can go and look back at the newspapers from 1984, which I have, I mean, conch sports, regardless of the season is front and center all the time in the newspaper with an in-depth coverage for each individual sport that you never see. So, I mean, I could understand where you felt like you were moving into the big time. You guys mm-hmm. were still coming out of the shadow. And I'm going to 
to say it in 1984, 1985, people are still talking about Speedy Neal, a number of great players coming out mm-hmm. of the program. Um, what was your what was your senior season like at Key West High School? How did you guys do? Well, uh, we did pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't we did not make the playoffs. That was back in oh, yeah. the days when only the district champion advanced to the playoffs. At that time, Homestead was in our district, and that was the big rivalry. And it got pounded into me, beat Homestead, beat Homestead, beat Homestead. We had a really good team, Sean. Uh, I was uh, so proud to be part of that team. I was uh, one of the wide receivers on the team. It's funny. I, I... I joke with folks a lot of times. Uh, James Howard uh, was on that was was one of the wide receivers. Alvin Wims, Theodore Thurston. So it was James <laughs> Howard, Alvin Wims, Theodore Thurston, and me. Yeah. <laughs> These guys were pretty pretty gosh darn good. And playing with them, one James Howard was the best player I ever saw or played with. And I remember when I when I in the first that first week of practice that we were in, in pads, I was, I thought I was doing pretty good and guys joking around with me that, you know, you're going to, you're going to be starting and you got all this going on. And I, and I felt real good. I was having a, a good camp and, and, you know, I was, I'm not, I'm not the fastest guy, but I ran good patterns and I, I could catch a football and all that. Um, but James wasn't there. Then, then he came like a, a week later, he was done with his family, had a vacation or something like that. And, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go head to head with him. I'm not going to, I'm going to beat this guy out uh, for uh, the starting job and I, I'm going after it. And um, Sean, about uh, 20 minutes into that practice, I, I gave up. I mean, he was a gazelle. He was just so gosh darn good, uh, but it was so much fun to to play with him and, Alvin and, and Theodore and the, and the whole crew that we had. Joey Gandolfo was our quarterback on that team and, and set some passing records that year. Um, but we got to um, actually back. We had it was Homestead, us, South Dade was in our district at, at that time. And Homestead was, came to Key West and, and played us that year in 84. And we had a couple of big mistakes in that game as a team. We had had a, I think it was a punt return for a touchdown maybe, or, or there was a penalty. I, I can't remember, but anyway, they were, they, there were a couple of mistakes that cost us and, and we were trailing uh, 14 to 14 to six or 14. No. Yeah. 14 to six, I think was the score. Uh, we go down uh, and, this is late in the game and we're fighting and, and hanging in there with them through this mistakes that we had made. I don't know. There's a minute or so left in the game. We get a, we get a big touchdown where it's like 14 to 12. We go for the two point conversion. It's good to tie the game up, but we were offsides. Was, oh. We had an offsides penalty, uh, had to redo it, the play again. And uh, we didn't get it. And we ended up losing 14 to 12 and that cost us the, the playoffs. So that was, that was pretty heartbreaking at the time because as you know, and being in football all your life and how hard you work. And for me, it was like a real chance to, to be part of a team that went to the playoffs and, and worked so hard and yet to fall that short on a, on a penalty on a two point conversion that we converted but then had to do it again, and we didn't, and lost, and that was pretty much the end of the season, and that that was tough. 
But man, was it fun. What a great ride that was. Well, actually, you know, to, to go through those kinds of experiences, you're lucky to have that type of thing. And for the people out there that don't understand what, what Rick is talking about, if you follow high school football in this day and age, you know, you're making the playoffs. Yay. You won the district. You're the runner up. You're the at large. But going back until, you know, the mid to late nineties, you had a set district. And if you didn't win the district, then you didn't move on to playoffs. So for some, right. I, I don't know, Rick, if you probably probably didn't even play the, the worst part about it, you know, cause that happened the same similar thing happened to me, my senior year in Miami where, you know, we lost to Miami Northwestern and we still had to play out the rest of our district. We beat all the other teams, you know, mm-hmm. we end up losing to them like seven, nothing, but now you're playing the rest of the year, hoping that they're going to lose a game or two, you know, that they're not going to, and you know that like, all right, we're not making the playoffs, but we have to continue this season. You know, so that that makes it difficult in itself, because I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing. You're looking at the old school Miami Herald or the Miami News for the results, hoping that Homestead is going to lose to someone creating a three way tie in the district. And it just made every single game so important. No, it it really it really did. And, And I'm not sure how long it was after that year that they changed it where the top two teams from the district uh, made it to the mm-hmm. playoffs. I don't think it was too much further down, down the road. But, yes, every game in those days was important, especially when you were in your district play. And if you think about it, today Homestead isn't nearly what it was, but mm-hmm. they were a powerhouse yeah. back in the, in the late 70s uh, through the 80s, actually all the way up until – uh, Hurricane Andrew came through and wiped out Homestead. Remember, they had a they had a good influx of military kids themselves, mm-hmm. plus all the locals. And in those days, a Homestead only had two high schools: Homestead High School and South Dade. And that Homestead Bronco team was good. That was a terrific football program. It was the main rivalry at that time for Key West, and it was sad that we lost that game. I. I I'd give anything if we had, had pulled that one out and, and I would have had a chance as a player to experience a playoff game because whether it was playing in football, basketball, or baseball, I never played in the postseason, not once. And, and that was my chance, and, and it didn't happen. Now, you bring up a really interesting point, and I want to give all the credit to Key West High School in the world when it comes to this, because you're absolutely right. When you go back in history, Key West High School, when you talk about all the different sports, you know, when you go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, they were playing these top tier uh, public high schools because that's, right. that, that's all there was. I remember like talking to Danny Jimenez, you know, back in the day. And he's talking about when he graduated, it was a regular season game for them to play Coral Gables. And, and for, right. for people that don't understand right. Coral Gables was mythical national champions, longtime state champion contenders every year. And it was just another game for Key West. And so Key West has always played against the, these, these teams. And, and I find it shocking too, Rick, you know, you've, follow the high school scene it's so weird for me to see um the homesteads the south dades the hialeah miami lakes these large public schools are not like putting out the teams like they were before because everyone seems to be going to a charter school or a private school and everyone is so spread out now and you don't have those types of teams anymore at the public school it's weird to watch the landscape change yeah, no, it, it is sean and that that is a real interesting point because what has happened in high school is one 
now today there's so many more schools there's oh, so many more charter schools there's the private prep schools there's uh, you know the the catholic schools that are out mm-hmm. there the the thing that has changed you know say in miami and in in broward county up in palm beach county is was recruiting so those big schools like coral gables or fort lauderdale high school or miami high those schools that were big back in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. if there's a good player at that school they're going to get they're going to get picked off and they're going to go to say an american heritage plantation or or a st thomas aquinas or cardinal gibbons or gulliver or or a Boleyn or you know columbus whatever it may be because they have the best facilities everything is so nice and if you're a parent that if you've got a kid going to miami edison and yeah. they come knocking at your door and say hey would you like to come over here to American heritage plantation and play football in this great program. What are you going to say as a parent? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I mean, I want my kid to have the best education and have the best facilities and all that. And that's really hurt those big schools. But back in the seventies and into the eighties and all that, and back into the sixties and fifties, when the conks were playing in that greater Miami athletic conference, Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. Those big schools were big and little Key West used to have to go up and play those guys all the time. And it's amazing to see how we did and how we could hang with those guys and win. And you're doing it all with just kids that were born and raised here and grew up here. It's it's pretty remarkable when you, if you go back and think about what those teams had to go through and how they had to play. And pretty amazing. When you go back and you look, and I don't know, I'm sure that you saw the movie, you watched the television show, but if you read the book Friday Night Lights, it's a very similar comparison to the two towns and the type of kids that they had. Because in Odessa, they had, it was a very rural community and they just had these super tough kids that were brought up in a very hard way and they just refused to lose. And I think a lot of those Key West Conk teams really, really were cut from the same mold as that. Yeah, and and you hear that, Sean, when you when you talk to to the older conks, and and they were the fighting conks in those days. They would be ready to throw down with anybody if you have a chance to sit down with people like George Myra and Boog Powell, and 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 you know that's that's a and you think about it, and those those guys were were playing all three sports at Key West High School. It wasn't specialized back then. You played football, and then you would play basketball, then you would play baseball, and and and. That's also the the thing that makes it so special here because a kid will, you know, is born here, raised here. They start playing together, say in little league, maybe T-ball at, at age four years old. They're playing with uh, with their contemporaries and they're still playing with each other when they're in 12th grade. And there's a camaraderie and a connection that is different than any other place because it is we're so small and we're just we're we're so much a part of one another that i think is one of the reasons that we've had just tremendous success and and to this day when we're dealing with playing with all these private schools or prep schools or now even other other big public high schools that kids want to go play at and they're recruiting and they're just bringing in the best gosh darn players it's not that's not building a team to me that's almost like buying a team building a program is developing your kids and making them a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team and that's what we have to do here every year and and develop these kids 
to to become a cohesive unit. And when we beat those teams, nothing is better than that. It really feels good. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was just having a discussion this past week about this same very thing and something that I never realized before, Rick. Uh, you know, at a, at a, I'm not going to like name a public sc- a private school, but if you take a private school out of Miami and they have a baseball team and, you know, they go and they play a game in the morning in Miami, they go back to their school and they drop off and you might have somebody going to Broward, somebody going to Homestead, somebody going to Westchester. Those guys really don't live together. They're not sweating together. They haven't been together all the time. There's no like, we're fighting for this city. We're playing for this town. And I think that those guys lose out. And then in talking to coach Enriquez last week, you know, he, he told me if he didn't want to have to go on an away game, he wouldn't have to. He could have all home games because everybody wants to come to Key West and play because Mm -hmm. of the atmosphere and the way everything is. Because you know you travel around. You might go to the number one team in the nation state, football, basketball, baseball, and it's some small private school, and there might be 12 people there. Right, exactly. To watch a game, yeah. Yeah, and, and to Ralphie's point, he's right. You know that he doesn't have to go on the road, mm-hmm. uh, especially for baseball, because all these programs—they, so many of the—and these top-flight baseball programs want to come and they want to bring their teams here. They want to be in front of five, eight hundred people uh, for a weekend uh, series, put them in a hostile environment, and see how their team handles it as they build for the playoffs. Yeah, Ralphie, Ralphie can have every game at home if he wants to, because you have that here and you have all that coverage of the game and all the excitement and, and the history that goes along with playing here. I uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago when Taravella was here playing and we were in a commercial break and our, my broadcast booth is at the end of the first base bleachers and it's, and uh, I had my headsets off and I heard the, the game was really tight. It was, it was a really good game. And I, the head coach had said to somebody in the, in the stands, he was talking to one of the parents or whatever from Terravella and said, that's why we come here. That's why we come here to have games like this. And you get that because Sean, when you go out to a, a baseball game at Rex Weech field, what happened in 1953 is still relevant to this day. Mm-hmm. There's no place like it where I have never seen. I've been to so many high schools. I went to another high school uh, outside of Key West High School as a kid, uh, traveling and going to all these different places across the state and into other states uh, with the Conks. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen the passion, the commitment, and love for our high school programs than what you see for Key West High School. It makes this place such a special place because what happened in 1953, 70 years ago, when we won our first state championship, we've been talking about it all this year. It's like, it's still there. It's still relevant. It still means the world to all conks. And that's what you get when you come here and play. And and, And in baseball, particularly because it's ridiculous when you think about it that a program has won 11 state championships. Mm-hmm. It, it's so hard to win just one. Just to think about it, just one. Gulliver Prep is an incredible baseball program. I have seen some unreal teams that they have had in the 25 years that I've been doing this on the radio. 
You know how many state championships they got? How many? One. One. It's so hard to do. And it's it's almost like an embarrassment of riches to say this little island, Key West, and the kids that you have and what we just talked about growing up and playing T-ball together, no matter what year it was to whenever we won those state championships, that these guys have done it and beaten everybody else. And from 1953, all those titles in the 50s, the 69 title, the 84 title, the three titles in the 90s, the 05 title, you can just go back in time and look. And really, it's the same thing. It's the same format. And it's all been developed on a three-by-four island. And that's, that's crazy to even think about because it is so remarkable that we've won 11. The school that's tied with us, Miami Christian, uh, excuse me, um, uh, 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 Westminster, Westminster, Westminster Christian uh-huh. has has 11 titles as well. But the, the difference to me is here, that's the school that brought in A-Rod and all those other guys. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, an all-star team every year. And that goes back to the recruiting and all that. But we've done it just homegrown kids, some military kids sprinkled in here every now and then, but it's basically the kids that grow up here and have done these remarkable things. It's, it's incredible to show and for people to understand the passion that you have for the program. What really, what really caught me, what I couldn't believe um, is doing a little research was the 94, 95, 96, like we know 95 and 96, they win the state championship, but I didn't know in 94, they go and they lose by one, but what an incredible three-year run. And then you add in the 98 team. I mean, just an incredible run for such a small Island and so many different players. Right. And you know, if you go back to that, that run in in 94, it really could have been Sean, uh, they could have won three in a row there, Mm -hmm. 94, 95 and 96 In 94, there was a controversial, uh, play. Um, that was right before I started doing the broadcasting games before I came back home, but there was a, uh, there was a, a foul ball and there was this area up the, up the, up the foul line. I'm, I, I believe it was on the, the first base side and that they had told the coaches that this area is marked off. There's no fence around it, but it's, it's a camera well. And if a ball goes in there, that is out of play. And uh, there was a ball popped up there. We went over to make the grab. He was, uh, the kid was standing in the, in that, in that camera, supposed camera well area. And they said, no, it's not an out. And that ended up hurting the team and ended up losing that game on a tight one. But then that crew that that came back in 95 and 96 was an unstoppable group. They went on that one run uh, with that crew that won 44 games in a row, Mm -hmm. 44 games in a row. Sean, (laughs) Crazy. How does that happen? Uh, It's it's, and that was under the direction of Ralph Enriquez Mm -hmm. and, and still, I know one of the most proudest things that he's done at Key West High School was that streak because it'll never be seen again. It's it's just almost impossible to do that. But that group did, and they were so good. And then and then we did it again in '98. So that was you look at the the two like golden eras. We'll say the '50s are the golden era. But would we say now that the '90s are part of that golden era? Mm-hmm. Is it that long ago now? It's that long but ago. That, yeah. But that was, and they won. We won five state championships in the '50s, 
and then we won three more in the nineties and it, and it could have been, it could have been four in the nineties and maybe even a couple of more if certain players hadn't left our yes. program and all that. But that was, that was an amazing, amazing decade when you are, those two decades are, are two of the best and will be tough to match ever again. Well, we're going to, we're going to break down some more of those teams, but let's talk. So you graduate high school. What, what do you do next? All right. So I had every intention of, of doing, going into the family business, which was um, the Marine Corps. My dad uh, was a very proud Marine for 33 years. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he started as a buck private and retired as a, as a major and all my friends from, uh, were in, in North Carolina and Camp Lejeune, they were all planning to go into the Marine Corps. And that was my, my thought. Now I only had one year of high school here. So when I graduated high school, I started going to FKCC and, and for my start, my college uh, career, and it was, it was a great little school and, and, and enjoyed it. And one day they used to have these um, newsletters uh, back there in 85, 86, but the newsletter was just like a, you know, a oh, I remember. copy paper. Yes, you know? I remember. <laughs> and, and at the time in that little, little news flyer, there was a help wanted little section in it. And FM 107 was looking for someone to run the Casey Kasem show, American top 40. <laughs> and this is, this is, this is March of 1986. And I, and I, I had always thought I was going to be a big baseball player or whatever. That was always my dream as a kid and never really thought too much about broadcasting until I, we got cable for the first time in 1980, 81 timeframe when I got to start watching Chicago Cub games on television and Harry Carey was mm -hmm. the guy for me. I'm like, I'm looking at this guy, Sean, and he's having so much fun. I'm like, okay, well, he's he's not playing, but, you know, he's broadcasting, and and people love this guy. And he's just – and he, you could just see, I could just feel how much fun that man was having calling games and all that. And I said, you know, maybe that might be an interesting thing to do. And when I saw that, that ad in the little newsletter at FKCC – as FM 107 was looking for just somebody to run the Casey Kasem show. And I'm like, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, I went over there and I met with Joe Russo, who was the general manager at the time. And he said, okay, um, that's great. You can, I'd like to hire you to do that, but will you do me a favor? Can you make a audition tape for me? Now I didn't like, what do you mean? You want me to make an audition tape? I didn't have any plans to, speak or anything like that i just was looking for a little part-time thing to see what radio was like i said yeah i guess i'll i'll, I'll make um I'll, I'll make an audition tape there that day so i make the audition tape and and he, and he thanks me and i and i and i go home and at the time i was still living at my parents house on truman annex in, in that first year of of uh, junior college and i get a call uh back i i don't know sean maybe an hour later and Joe Russo says to me, Rick, that's the best audition tape I ever heard. I'm hiring you immediately. And you start tonight working midnight to six. Now that was, 
had to be, Sean, the worst audition tape that was ever made in the history of radio. It was probably so bad, it didn't even stick to the cassette tape. It couldn't have been. It was horrible. All he needed was somebody, any monkey, to come in. And at that time, it was before automation. And he needed somebody to to watch the radio station from uh, midnight to six. And that's how it all started. I bought into the whole thing. I was 19 years old. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going to be in radio. And oh, oh my God, I'm I'm so good. No, I wasn't good. I just needed somebody there because he he was filling in and covering for a guy who had just quit. And uh, that's how it all started. And I and I I bought into it hook, line and sinker. And I and then I've I've never gotten out of the game. I've been in radio ever since. And uh, that's but that's how it all started for me. So just by chance, wanting to go go just run the American Top 40 show with Casey Kasem. Yeah, that's how it started. I I love the story. Number one. Uh, Number two, you're working midnight shifts, you know, in Key West doing local radio. Uh, just for for my own curiosity, you remember what your pay was for that at the time? What was that? I said, what, what, what was your pay? What what was oh your pay? Oh my gosh, jeez, Sean, I think I made like three hundred dollars a week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I had I I was I I was still going. I started there, and I had every intention of staying in uh, college there. Uh, but you know, sometimes that doesn't work out, and especially when you're working midnight to six. And I said, I want to have this career in radio. I I also had a part time job at Jay Byron's. If you remember Jay Byron's, of course, Jackson yeah. Byron's. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 and that was where it's now a Publix there in the Kmart Plaza. And I had a good little job there and I was going to school, but, but then after, after a few months and I just stopped going to classes and yep. I said, you know, this is what I want to try and do. I want to be in radio and, and, and that's what happened. So when you were working, when you were doing that, uh, midnight to six, what was the mm-hmm. format? What, what were you do? You were spinning the hits. You're playing yeah, records. Yeah, that, yeah. I was, um, my name was, was rockin' Rick Allen. All right. That, that was my, my DJ name. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, that it was a, it was a top 40 radio station in those days. And, uh, it was everything was on cassette tape uh, on reel to reel tapes. Mm-hmm. So we had four reel to reels, right? That you would go play a song from one reel, then you play a song from another reel and one would have the current hits, one would have hits that were just, you know, uh, like a couple of months old now and then there was like a, a a gold one with old older stuff. It was it was it was very interesting, but everything you had to have somebody in the radio station 24 hours a day back then. And that's uh that's what we were doing and um and I never wanted to be in sales. And, and I remember the, we had a meeting, uh, and John Magnola was the owner of one Oh seven and called everybody in. And I was just a kid, Sean. I, I, I may have been, I think I, I was like 19 years old and I just started and he had everybody in there. And he says, uh, who here is not interested in doing sales. And like a dummy, I raised my hand and said, no, I don't want to do sales. And man, did he jump down my throat. If you're in this business, you're in sales. You got to sell every time. Blah, 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 blah. And, and I, I mean, I felt like I was like three inches tall. I mean, he just got in my face in front of the whole staff and blew me up. And, 
and 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 he's right in a way because that's what it is in, in radio you, you you know you're always trying to sell and 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 do a good job and <laughs> i was like what the hell have i gotten myself into i'm working midnight to six i got the owner screaming at me because i didn't want to do sales uh but somehow i stayed in there rocking rick allen rocking rick allen he, yeah he didn't he didn't know that Sales was a part of it. Rock and Rick Allen was an artist dedicated to his <laughs> business of making music and telling everybody what's cool from midnight to six. Do any, yeah. here's the big question. Do yeah. any air checks of Rock and Rick Allen exist? Oh my God, Sean. Wow. I, I can't imagine that there are, <laughs> I had them. Uh, I don't know. You probably, I have them. to go look deep in, in my, uh, my my files here at that the house now <laughs> that would be great to, to get that it, it was funny how quick though i i did move up there i i did the midnight uh to six shift uh for uh oh man i don't know probably six months and then i and then uh, then i got uh, then i then i got they moved me to 10 to 2 and then i was doing uh two to two to seven before I left. And so I, I made kind of a quick rise there and, uh, it was a great learning experience in those uh, couple of years that I was there and, and taught me, I, I learned a lot about the business and mm -hmm. which, you know, I still use to this day. When, you know, I'm always fascinated, obviously I've always been like a fan of talk radio, hence podcast. You know, I always mm -hmm. loved your guys show. I always listened to you guys. So when you were coming up then during that time period, you know, Rock and Rick Allen. Uh, I'm sure you had different personas. What was your goal? Did you want to be a Howard Stern? Did you want to to get syndicated? Did you want to get discovered? Or or what was your? Did you want to be a sports guy? Were you trying to do color? What were your aspirations at, at 19? That, at yeah. that time, no. I I thought that I was going to be you know just a big time radio DJ. I wanted to go to New York City. Yeah. I wanted to go to LA or something like that. That was kind of my, my thought to play, to play music. It wasn't actually until I went to New York and, and got a job up there at a, at a rate, I got hired to do a, a high school football uh, for this uh, in Mount Kisco, New York. And that's, that's a whole other story. When I decided that sports is what I really want to do with my life, because what I, what I learned in radio. And as I, as I was gravitating to that, I said, well, you know, I, I, I didn't make it as, as a baseball player, but I could get paid to, to talk about baseball and talk about sports. And that is what really intrigued me and what I wanted to do. So then when you made that realization, how did you move forward in fulfilling that? Well, um, we, I got, uh, I, I got married when I was very young and I married a fellow DJ at FM 107 and she was from, from New York city and, and we got married and, and we had a child, but we, we went to New York because she wanted to go to New York. That's how I, I left Key West mm -hmm. and I, she got hired at this station, WVIP in Mount Kisco, New York. And I was taking her up there. I didn't have a job at the time. I just moved to New York um, as a 20-year-old kid uh, with a pregnant wife uh, into New York City. Now, you have to understand, in, in my background, I, I was a military kid. I 
spent my whole life growing up on military bases and and had just left Key West. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm in the middle of the Bronx. It's when you're like, what what is where did how did this come about? Uh but Mount Kisco, I don't know. I I can't remember, Sean. It's about 50 miles um in up from New York City and Westchester County there. A very nice place. And they had uh they were doing high school football games there. And and I was talking with the program director and and I, I wasn't working. I just moved up there with nothing and with the hopes of finding something because she wanted to go back to New York. And um and he said, Well look, we we've got this little sports show that we do on Saturdays, like a recap show, and we also do the high school football games, Fox Lane High School. Um would you be interested in doing that? And I said, yeah, I would, I'd love to try that. And that's when I did my first play by play. Uh, it was for football for Fox Lane high school. And I did that for two years for them. And, and I, and I kind of grew as a broadcaster there and, and then eventually would come back home here and, and really get, get it going. So when you come back to Key West, um, how did you get back into the radio business? Is that when you decided to drop the rockin' Rick Allen? Oh, yeah. I, I had let <laughs> Rick Allen uh, go a few years uh, prior to that. But I came back uh, in 1997. Well, I actually came back in 1992. Um, I got divorced. I had, I had custody of my son, so I was a single father. And I wanted to raise my son, Tony, here in Key West. I didn't want to, I was, it was just me and him in New York City he, uh, and trying to work. And at the time, I had a couple of really good jobs there in the sports industry. I was doing those high school football games, but then I got a job at this place called Scorephone. Now, Scorephone was prior to the internet, mm-hmm. that it was a, it was a phone number that you called and it had all the latest uh you'd have in in a minute plus they'd give you we'd give you all the scores so like the ncaa tournaments going on you know you would constantly be updating that and or sundays in the nfl here's the here's the scores that type of thing which led to another job uh with which i worked uh, for sports ticker which was owned by dow jones and it was a a sports news service based in Jersey city, New Jersey. And, and I got, got the opportunity to work there. And, and that's, it was like, it's just like a huge, it was a huge newsroom at the time. And we supplied all the, all the store. We had stringers at every, every major league game, NBA, hockey, whatever trades would happen. It would all go through that. And we would service all the different news and sports departments across the country. But I, I was I, I just it was it was it was tough for me as as a single parent trying to work that and, and especially when you're working and in New York and you gotta you gotta work till all the games in California are over. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I just don't wanna do this anymore. I I, I wanna go back home. And I and I came home and when I came home in 1992, I, I didn't have a job. I was just like, I'm, I'm just going back to Key West. I got full custody of my son. I'm going to bring Tony down here and we're just going to start our lives here. I got a job at Rick's and Dirty Harry's as, as, a, um, as, as a doorman. 
but at that exact moment, the the crew at, at Rick's had got a TV show that they were just about to start on the old uh, TCI Channel 5. It was uh-huh. called Sports Talk. It was on, on Monday nights. And they asked me to, would you like to be part of that, of this show? Uh, Vince Walton was the the GM at Rick's. He said, I think you, you know, you're a guy in radio sports. You, should, you might come out and hang out with us. And I don't know, there was like 10 people on this show. And I had to kind of find my way where I was going to fit in mm-hmm. to the show. And I did. And it ran for a, a few years there. I and had a lot of fun with that. I had known Todd Swafford prior uh, <clears throat> back in the 80s, but then we reconnected on that show, uh, Sports Talk. And, and and we had talked about me potentially coming to work for, for Todd, but <clears throat> in those days I was I was making quite a bit of money at Rick's and I was having a good time. And you know, now I was single and uh, I was you know, I was you know how that goes, Sean. <laughs> I was sowing some oats and having a lot of fun at that time. And I said, well, I'm, you know, maybe I, I like the TV thing, I'll I'll do that. But then I had to go back to New York. I had an opportunity there to go uh, do a job uh, for about a year, and it was it was real good money. And then when I came when I came back home, there was another TV station that was starting. It was an independent station. It was Channel Eight, and I yeah. and I don't I can't I I can't for the life of me even remember the call letters. So I came home in '97. They had hired me to be like the sports director there, and we started another uh, sports show. And then I had Todd come on that, and and several other people. It, unfortunately, it didn't last very long, but what it did was it reconnected myself with Todd Swafford, and then Todd hired me over at, in 1998 with uh, with uh, with uh, now what was Clear Channel at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that's when I, when I started not only working back full-time, full, full-time in radio doing sales. So it's funny, it goes back to sales. That's how I got hired uh, and to go work in the sales department. And then, and then immediately Todd asked me to be part of the, the baseball coverage on uh, WKWF at that time in 1998. So when you initially got on, you were just initially doing baseball with Todd? Well, yeah, I was doing sales and mm-hmm. in those yeah, days yeah. we didn't have Conktown live right. or any of any of that stuff. It was just the only sports that we were doing that Todd was doing live was the games. Now he had put sports radio on the air a few years prior to that on the old WKWF. Yes. And, but he, Todd and his brother, Timothy Lee were doing the games. They were doing football and they were doing baseball. And Todd says, I'd really like you to come in. If I can get you hired in with clear channel. And then I want to, I want to put you on the baseball broadcast with me and my brother. And, and I could, I could use the help. And I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm in. Cause I had never done baseball before I had done football prior, but I hadn't done, I hadn't done baseball. And I said, man, baseball is my game. That's my favorite thing. I really want to, I, I, I'd love to do that. So I got hired as a salesman and I was supposed to right, sell and, right. I, and I did. And, and, and then we were doing those games, which then eventually led to us doing a Monday night football show at the Casa Marina that was live. And then we were like, we've got to have a daily talk show as well. And then we started Conktown live in 2001 
And, um, and it's just, you know, it's been on the air ever since all the games and all the talk shows and all that stuff. But when I started in 98, we didn't have any live local sports talk shows Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it just kind of developed after a couple of years, like we need to add more people want more. We need to do more. And we did. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing that, that first of all, let me say that I always did enjoy that WKWF 1600 AM when that first, when that came out, I was really happy to have that. And Mm -hmm. when you think about it, it's like with today's day and age, I can get whatever I want about sports on my phone, really, except for local coverage. And when you talk about like, I know it's different, but like you talk about radio and you talk about newspaper and you talk about these media outlets. I, I feel it's my opinion that like the more local coverage you have, the more engagement you're going to have, because I'm not going to go to that local source to find out what's going on in the world. I'm going to that local source to find out what's going on here. Right. And I think, Sean, that's why radio is still relevant, Mm -hmm. especially in a market like ours. Everything has changed the way we consume our news or if you're a person that's online all the time, whether it's through Facebook, uh, Instagram, whatever that may be. And and on all the different apps that you have on your phone. And if there's a trade in the NFL, you're getting that information almost instantly. But what works for me and works for us here is still, yes, I want to know what's happening locally. And that the only way to really know that is to tune in to our radio station. If you want to know what's okay, or where's the lady conk softball team playing today? Where is this happening? What, what's going on with our football program? You still have that. And that's why it's still relevant. And that's why it still means so much to so many people and I think that's one of the great legacies that I've been able to to help build on from what Todd started is that you're going to turn on the radio and you're going to know that the conk game is on. You're going to know either our conk town live is on and, and what's, what's the latest and, and all that, that to me means the world because now today here in 2023 uh, compared to say 1998 uh, today, it's just, expected that it's supposed that it's there for for the conk fans Mm -hmm, and i love that i love that they can tune in and find out what's happening locally yeah you can get all the aaron Rodgers news or whatever wherever you may go but what you want to know what's happening with the conks why what happened in the columbus game what happened here and there you're going to tune into the radio and you're going to want to know and that's why it's still relevant I agree. I agree with you. And then like moving forward, you're doing baseball. When do you guys start doing foot? When do you start doing football? That, that same year, 1998, uh, my first uh, full year uh, broadcasting was 1998. I joined uh, Todd in the booth and we started with conk baseball and that was a great year to start, Sean. I mean, we won it yeah. all that yeah. year in 1998. And, uh, and then, and then, that 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 same year the following school year that's the 98 99 uh football team that i that was my first football full-time uh doing the conks so and i've been doing it ever since well for i some, haven't missed a, a game in 25 years 
Uh, you're the Cal Ripken of radio broadcasting, buddy. That's that's <laughs> fantastic. But like opening up and going to that 98 year as someone who never got to experience the postseason, what was that 98 season like for you? I guess you had like Brooks Carey was the coach. That's a yeah. that is a great question because it it felt like I I was part of it. Um, yes, Brooks Carey and I was very lucky in my my first year of, of doing baseball that when Todd brought me in that, that Brooks Carey was named the head coach and, and they, they had a great staff They had Brooks Brooks. He was the head coach. Randy Sterling was the pitching coach. Chris Valdez and Ralphie Sanchez were uh, the other assistant coaches. And it was just such a great group to be, be around. There was, that was during that whole run in, in the nineties where we were winning everything mm-hmm. and, and Brooksy took over and, and there was a lot of, I felt, I felt it. I felt the pressure of providing a, a good broadcast. Now Todd was leading the way back in those days and I, and I was his sidekick uh, and, and Timothy Lee was there as well. And I know there were a few people that and, and, and in, in broadcasting and, and Sean, you know, that you can't always make everybody happy but I tried to do the best that I could because I knew there was a great responsibility with this. And as it was just, it was just so crazy uh, in those days with the conch baseball team. And they had that long win streak and they had one went to three final fours in a row. Uh, they almost went back in 97. So that was, there was just, there was so much focus and so much attention. And, and for me to go do baseball, which is my favorite sport. I love baseball, but it's different to broadcast baseball than football. And I learned uh, so much, uh, you know, that, that first year on, on how to do baseball. And, but that team and that run was unlike anything I had ever seen. And it actually changed how they do the postseason in, in, in high school sports to where today that you won't see two teams from the same district play in the state championship game. Mm -hmm. And that year, that's what happened when Key West and Monsignor Pace played in the state championship game uh, in 98. And that was such a crazy year because we ended up playing Pace five times and beat them four times. The one time we lost to them was in the district championship game, which meant that we had to go on the road again those were the days when the runner ups did make it to the state playoffs so we were the runners up in the district and that that road to get to that final four was one of the most incredible rides you could imagine and it started uh, we took on russ milliken a great conk yeah. and a former head coach at key west high school he was the head coach at forest hills up in west palm where Russ is still the head coach uh, to this day, mm-hmm. one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, we went up there, we won that game. And then the next game, we had to go to Sebring, which is right there on 27 in the middle of Florida. And we went there, won that game. And then in the region championship, we had to go all the way up to Daytona Beach, uh, play Daytona right. Beach Seabreeze. And they had a big stud there. Uh, the kid was going to be a number one uh, draft choice uh, in Major League Baseball. He was also going to go play 
football at West Virginia. I, I'm, the kid's name's escaping me right now, but he was a monster and they were really good. And we went up there and we won that game. I, I, I don't know how many miles we logged uh, that postseason to get to Tampa in the final four and then eventually winning it all and beating pace in our fifth meeting, which they almost came back and won was one of the most wildest, craziest rides I have ever been on. And it's funny. And I remember after that season, cause we have most of those kids coming back and saying to, to Todd and, and everybody else, man, we're going to do this again. This was fun. We got most of these guys back. We're going to win another state championship. It doesn't work that way. It is so hard just to win one going back to the beginning of our conversation. Uh, and we didn't win again until 2005, but what a year, what a great first year for me to, to jump in and winning it all and being part of that and getting a ring and getting a championship ring for a kid who never, hmm. never played in a playoff game. And I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. I never got into the postseason, and that meant the world to me. It's like, wow, wow, I'm part of this. That, Even though I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make one out or make one hit or anything like that, but I felt such a part of it. And that was also Sean to what we talked about earlier, that welcoming spirit that Key West has and, and that people appreciate what you do uh, that first year. I Sydney mockingbird Kerr, who mm-hmm. meant the world to me is a conch baseball legend. He, he had my back that whole first year and, and, helped me. And, and, and of course Todd did as well. And and it was just, it was a, it was a run that I look back so fondly and we'll, we'll never forget and enjoyed every second of that. You know, I got a question about that season. When you take account of that run in the nineties, so many great players come through, but the one of all those players with the most distinguished pro careers, Khalil Green. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on him then when he was playing? Did, was he a surefire, this guy's automatically going to the majors? Um, what were your thoughts about him then during that season? Yeah, that, that that's a good question. I, I, he, I knew he, he had the talent. Uh, he's the only guy that's in our illustrious history of conch baseball that hit 500 in, in a season, and he, and he did it that year in 1998 uh what 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 you know what impressed me so much about him uh was he was so cool and calm you could never i could never tell any different inflections if he made an out he stayed the same if he hit a home run he stayed the same he was just level and he was determined to be a shortstop. That's what he wanted to do. And of course, that's where he played for us in 1998. And, and as a team leader, quietly leading that team. I mean, he wasn't a gregarious guy that would, you know, jump out and, and get in your face and all that. He just was so even keeled. That's the thing that I remember about him playing that, that this guy doesn't get flustered by anything, nothing. And, and, and just a, a great kid, just the nicest, sweetest kid that had a lot of talent. Was he going to be a surefire major leaguer? I thought he had a great chance uh, to make it. But when he graduated from high school, you know, Sean, he only had the one offer to go to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Now, Brooks Carey was, you know, our, our head coach at the time. Brooksy was a legendary Florida State baseball player. He was begging 
Mike Martin at the time. You got to take this kid. Just bring him in. Well, we don't need him for a shortstop. And 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 Khalil was determined to play shortstop. And and he didn't get an offer from Florida State. And he got an offer to go to Clemson to play play shortstop. And of course, Brooksy would call Mike Martin back uh, that year that that Khalil was the college baseball player of the year. I said. Should have took him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, that led to him being a first round pick. Now, he did something interesting when you look back at his career that he got drafted by the Cubs in his after his junior year there. And I think it was in O'Neary Fleda, another conk, yeah. uh, worked for the Cubs at the time. Uh, they drafted him. Brooksy said, hey, give him this amount of money, and I'm pretty sure he'll sign. Uh, well, they didn't offer him that, as, as as I can remember the story. So he decided not to go uh, where he got drafted his junior year and go back for his senior year and play. Now, as a college player, I mean, you lose your leverage when you yeah. go back for your senior season because, you know, that's it. You're done wherever you get drafted and you don't have the ability to, you know, if you're going to get drafted to work on what your money compensation is, all, all that. Once you, once you go back for your senior year, you better make it a good one. And he went back for his senior year, had one of the greatest years a college baseball player has ever, ever had. And obviously he was the college baseball player of the year, led Clemson uh, to the college world series. And then he gets drafted number one by the Padres. And we were all very proud of that. What a big deal that was in Key West. You really it saw was. the community like really rally around him and all of a sudden everybody's a Padre fan and everybody has their Padres <laughs> jerseys and and it <laughs> was <right>. just just <laughs> just a great time, you know. So that's a big deal. You know, moving through we're I would love to have you on the podcast again. There's so many things we could talk about. So I'm gonna jump to two thousand five. Um, obviously, you know, in a, in a different world, you know, I was able to, to coach my kids for a long period of time and be part of their athletic career. But what was it like for you in 2005 to, you know, you're part of the team, you're on the broadcast team, you're traveling, Mm -hmm. you're talking to everybody. I mean, I can't imagine how special it was for you to be part of that season where your son wins a state championship and you're calling all the games. Yeah, Sean, that was, uh, when I, as I look back at, at my career and and everything that I've done, that was the most special one for me mm-hmm. because it was my son. And part of it too is the fact that you know I didn't I didn't get to play baseball at Key West High School, and but my son did, and and my, and Tony was a really good player, and and he was what he was the left fielder on that team. It's really difficult when you're calling your kids games. Like if he strikes out, like, what are you swinging at? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, Cause it's your kid. And, uh, and then if he does something good, you know, you don't want to go too crazy, but I was just I was so proud of, of my child and, and what he was able to accomplish and what he's done in his life. And so a lot of that was built around uh, what he's, what he took out of playing baseball at Key West high school. But that year, was a fascinating year. And, and I can go back with those, that group of kids when they were going through the Clayton Sterling complex mm-hmm. and look at it, you know, Chaz Spotswoods and you know Clinton stores and Desi Perez and, 
Ezra Josephson and, and it's just so many of these these kids that I would watch them. I said, man, these guys, these guys are really good. I mean, there's something there's something brewing with this group of kids, Daryl Lewis and 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 these guys are, are going to get up there. I, I, I had a feeling when they were all in like fifth, sixth grade, like this was a, this was a group that could do it. And they ended up doing it. And then, but, and to have my son as a big part of that team and the left fielder and to see that success and, and to win that state championship and the celebration in Sarasota, I, I was balling, Sean. I, I, I was crying. I had a very uh, tough time uh, with that when they won it all, because you're so proud and you're so happy for your child. And it was an amazing experience uh, that I, I'm so glad that I was there and was able to do that and, and go on that ride with my child. It was, it was pretty special. Now, reversely, the next season in 2006, uh, we, we, we were in the district uh, tournament and we were playing, we were playing Berlin at Gulliver and it was Tony's final season, his senior year. And there was a kid on Berlin that um, we called him the conk killer. Every time he came up, he had a big hit against us. And, and he comes up in the seventh inning with a runner on second and they were trailing by a run. I think there was one out and this kid hits a ball straight away center field. This game was at uh, Monsignor Pace. They were hosting the district tournament that year. And Tony's playing center field, and I just watch him go back, go back, go back, and up to the fence, and it goes over, and they win. End of the conch baseball season. Mm -hmm. End of my son's playing career at Key West High School. And I was almost speechless because um, I'm calling it on the radio. And I had to really control myself because I just – the tears were holding back the tears coming out my eyes. Like that's it. It's over. It's just, and it could end just like that. And then the next day in the Miami Herald, they had a huge picture on the front uh, of the paper uh, with Tony with his hands on his knees, hat off his head, standing at the fence. And it was just uh, one of those, you know, wide world of sports mm -hmm. pictures of agony. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> <laughs> so you get this incredible, incredible mountaintop. I made it. You won a state championship. Never take that away. And then the next year, a walk-off home run ends it. And just like that, all those years with your kid out at, at, at the Clayton Sterling Complex, just working, getting better and better and better, and through the JV seasons, and then he makes varsity, and he wins the state championship, and the next year, hey, we got a good club, we were going to have a good shot at it, and then and you lose on a walk-off home run, and it just ends? That is hard. And try doing that with your kid while you're calling it on the radio. But not an easy, Not an easy moment for me. I, I can't imagine, but that's what yeah. going back to the beginning, that's what makes like the town so special is the right. high stakes and, and every, every game is such a big deal and, and everybody understands like the community understands the work that everybody's put into it because just like you said they started at t-ball they were at 8 9 10 11 12 
in the same community, in the same town, all working for the common goal. And when you get it, it's euphoria. But then when it's over, especially matched as you're never going to put on that conch uniform again, right. it's mm-hmm. soul crushing. But but again, you know, you're not getting that same thing at, at insert private Dade County private school. No, you know, Sean, that's a real good point, too. I think when you look at a kid, and I think that it, it's still that way today, a kid that's growing up and playing playing baseball here in Key West, it's it, they don't dream about playing for the New York Yankees or the Miami Marlins or anything. The, the dream is to play for the Conks. That's your, your, your dream. I want to play baseball at Key West High School. I want to be part of that long red and gray line. I want to be there for those big moments because if you win, I mean, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. The feeling is so, so wonderful. And, and, and when we win, we do it as a community because right. the kids are from here. They go to school here. They go to HOB. They go to Sugarloaf. They go wherever at Sigsby. But when they get to the high school, that they've all played with each other for years and years. And, and it's fun to watch them develop and grow. But it's tough, too, Sean, to get back. It's not yeah. easy. You, you always got to have a little break here and there. Uh, and and you could be the greatest team in the world, but you know, it, it, it's one of the harder things to do is to win a state championship in any sport. Um, let alone that we have 11 of them. It's, it's, it's so remarkable. Our history is so amazing. So we talk so much about history today. Let's talk about present day. What's your take as the voice of the conks? You've been watching this conk baseball team for so many years. How are they doing this year in your opinion? Well, I think, Sean, I, they're, they're doing fine right now. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that they've got going for them that's – and it's even hard for me to say because I think about all the all the teams I've covered, the, the teams in the past, and we've had great pitching before. But I don't know if we've ever had three guys that could be a number one pitcher on, on our staff. I mean, we have three studs possibly four if we when we get a chance to watch Anthony Lara's pitch. When you've got Lucky Barroso, Jacob Burnham, and Felix Ong as your starting pitchers, you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be good. These guys are that good. Felix Ong is already committed to uh, University of Florida. He's just a junior. Lucky Barroso is going to Indian River. He's in his senior campaign. Jacob Burnham is still deciding where he wants to go, and he'll he'll get a major college scholarship somewhere. And Anthony Lairiz, who's had to come out of the pen a couple of times uh, and hasn't had a chance to start yet, he's already committed to the University of South Florida. He's that good. So you've got four guys that are incredible. When you have that kind of pitching, and it all goes back to winning titles, it, it, it's, it, I know it's an old cliche, but it's true. Pitching and defense wins, especially in baseball. You've got the pitching. That's more than half the battle to get it done because you need at least two good starters when you get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. We've got four. These guys do their job. If we're going to be fine, we just need the offense to start coming around. There's a couple of guys that haven't got gotten their, their hitting shoes going yet, but there are other guys that are. 
I like this team. I like where they're going. And I think this team's going to make big noise when we go to the playoffs this year. And they have a legitimate chance to get back to the final four. I really believe that. Oh. And it's all and and the biggest part of it, Sean, is that pitching staff. They're that good. And 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 three of them, three of those pitchers are juniors. They're all coming back next year. Only one's graduating. So they're gonna be here another year. That's <laughs> when you got that kind of pitching, you got a great chance to win. I agree. And I'm, and you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying listening to you. Can you tell our listeners all the places they can hear you? Yeah, Sean. Uh, of course, uh, you can hear us uh, on terrestrial radio uh, in uh, the Key West market at uh, 97.7 WAVK. It's a, <clears throat> now that we move to the FM uh, dial, it's a 100,000-watt station that you get pretty much for the entire Keys. So you can listen to us there. Uh, you can go online and listen to us at uh, thezone977.com. And the other cool thing about our stations is we are part of the iHeartRadio network. So so you can you just have the, the iHeart app or and also by the way the TuneIn app as well. You download those into your phone, you type in uh WAVK or the zone 977 and it and you go right to our radio station. You can take us wherever you go in the world. It's pretty neat. We've come a long way from the the times when Todd and I would pass a cell phone back and forth calling a game. Uh, it is, uh, it's, you can, and it was before the internet and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. today you can listen to us. You're sitting in Barrow, Alaska. You could listen to us. It's, it's really uh, pretty special. So there's, there's, there's lots of ways that you can, can, can consume our coverage. Well, I know you don't hear it all the time, but you guys are appreciated for the service that you all provide. A lot of people listen. I've been listening to you guys for years and keep it up and keep it going. And we in Marathon appreciate Steve and Tiny doing football and we got Tiny doing baseball now. I know the Upper Keys loves all of the support that it gets. Thank you so much for that. And thanks. You know, Sean, yes. real quick, yeah, uh, and, and we didn't get a chance to get into. Well, the, you're coming on again. Uh, are we out of time? No, uh, no, no, no. Listen. One of the one of the things uh-huh. that I'm most proud of as the general manager of Florida Keys Media, because that that's my other title, uh, and I run the the radio group. Is in 2014, I had a chance to put every county I wanted to. That's I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to have every county football game on the radio. I wanted Marathon to have their own radio station. I wanted Coral Shores to have their own radio station as well. So since 2014, every Key West Conks, every Marathon Dolphins, and every Coral Shores Hurricanes football game, whether it's home and away, has been broadcast. And I think for me, that's one of the legacies I'll I'll be very proud of, that we are able to bring what we had done with the, the sports station in Key West to everybody and the three different fan bases in our community. And I, and I couldn't be more proud of that. And congratulations to you as well. Uh, you know, being named uh, the head coach mm-hmm. at Marathon High School. We're real proud of you, Sean, and, and looking forward to covering all your games. Tiny and Steve will do a great job for you. I, I love those guys. And no, we, we're not out of time because it's a podcast, so we can go forever and ever. I was just, <laughs> what I wanted to say to you is, 
I would definitely want to have you on again because there's so many different things that we can cover in your career and there's so many other questions that I have. So don't worry. I would love for you to come back on and we can explore these things in the years to come. But as far as as being football coach, I was really happy about it because, you know, just to be part of the history of Monroe County is such a big deal. And there's only three of those positions in the county and to have one of them and like to be in the in the same you know to be in that same club as as all those guys like when I came to the keys looking up to to be in that club was was such a big deal for me because of of Mm -hmm. the history and 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 all that stuff so I'm just proud to be there and hopefully I could do all the make it you know make everybody proud that that helped me out along the way all of the coaches you know and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and I I don't know I don't know if you heard or not and I know we're going deep in the podcast and I remember thinking about Tony Tony played for him you know just yesterday uh his old basketball coach Fletch died and uh you know uh, Mm. Bob Fletcher and he was I remember Tony Mm -hmm. playing basketball coach playing basketball and and Fletch was such a great guy. He was an assistant principal at Key West High School for a year, but he was an accomplished principal in Troy, uh, Michigan. And they actually named the mascot a- after him because they were the Trojans. And mm-hmm. just feeling for him and just thinking about all the coaches and his family, but all the coaches that taught me stuff along the way. And I'm sure in broadcasting, you had mentors that taught you stuff along the way. Yep. And, and you should, mm-hmm. you shouldn't forget those people and, and all that stuff. And I'm just thinking of him today, but I, I hate to end the podcast on a, on a sour <laughs> note, on a down note, but that just hit me, you know, when you were yeah, talking no, yeah, about Yeah, no, that. that's affecting a lot of people here. And uh, you're, you're right. And you know what that's, but that goes to what, what a coach is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the impact that a coach has on a young person's life. It is there forever. I told you Chuck Freeman, you know, he was my favorite coach. I loved playing for Chuck and I I just wanted to make him proud. And because he believed in me and, and like your kids are, will be leaving you. And, and, and there is a special bond between a player and a coach that I, I wish everybody could have that but not everybody plays ball and all that. And sometimes coaching experiences aren't good, but for the most part, there is a mentor. There is somebody that you you'll go through a brick wall for and they'll be part of your life forever. And I know that's going to happen with you, buddy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I definitely want to have you on again. We have so many questions, but I know you have other places to go and other, (laughs) other games. And I got to say too, Sean, what you're doing with these podcasts with, uh, with keys weekly is remarkable. I don't even know if you know how many people are just enjoying this. What you're doing is 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 really great. You're recording uh, sports history here in the Keys with the people that made it in this nice long format that you're doing, and it's really special. And I'm I'm hell I'm proud as hell of what you're doing here. And uh, you got you got to keep this up because no one else is doing anything like this, and it's. It's really great, Sean. You're well, doing well, a great job, my man. Hope you'll have time when, you, when football uh, season comes. I'll, I'll, I, I plan on doing a lot in the summer, <laughs> but I am going to have time. And I just want to say, just like taking it back from the very beginning, you were the reason for this with that long form thing with Brooks. I really loved it. And thanks for everything that you've brought to radio in the keys. And, and thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. Sean, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. 
Thank you guys for listening to the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap Podcast with Coach McDonald. I hope you guys enjoyed that about Rick Lopez. I know that I did. It's fascinating. You know, you hear everybody's origin story and everybody, how they came to the place they're at today. And there's always a story behind it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Good luck to all the teams playing this week. And I hope you guys check out the podcast next week.